All right, everybody, and welcome to our last scheduled uh, favorite things for the year 2021. Uh, it's possible that we might do another one. It's also possible that we might just enjoy not uh, yeah. doing it. Um, just a heads up, we are not planning on releasing any regular episodes with any sort of series or anything before at the earliest, uh, the middle of February, uh, if not as late as March 2022. Uh, around that time, we should have a better idea of what we're wanting to shoot for as far as uh, recurring segments, new series, anything like that. Yeah. Um, we might pop in here or there with random favorite things, but uh, we wanted to set expectations accordingly. So, uh, those of you who are here for our main content, uh, which today is Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, we're not going to do a whole lot uh, non-spoilery. As a matter of fact, here in just a moment, uh, we're going to spoil everything that we can remember about this film. We're going to uh, talk about how much we knew going in. Um, this is an event film. This is a movie that people were, are going to be talking about for months and possibly years to come. Uh, it is a big, hairy deal. It is, um, right off the front end, uh, it is an achievement. Um, some people will talk about that in a negative light. Some people will talk about that in a positive light. This movie is definitely an achievement. It is a big deal. It is... Uh, in the same way that Avengers Endgame did some things for uh, superhero movies that hadn't been done before, this movie does that as well. So just a heads up, uh, the internet is already awash with spoilers and will only become more so as the as time goes on. So uh, if you are, have any interest in seeing this movie, see it with as little information as you can. Go in, enjoy the ride. And then come back and listen to us. <laughs> and then come back and listen to us. Uh, if you've already seen it, stick around. Uh, you can listen to our thoughts, uh, disagree with them, uh, or agree with them, yeah. or or whatever else. But uh, we are going to start spoiling the fire out of this movie in five, four, three, two, one. All right. So. Um, I could not have told you a year ago that we were going to get a live-action Spider-Verse yeah. film, effectively. And that's effectively what this was. This oh, yeah. was effectively a live-action Spider-Verse film. And um, I, I had heard a rumor last year that this is what they wanted to do. A lot of rumors that come out that early, they hadn't really done a lot of shooting. They had done some, but not a lot. Um, when you hear rumors like that, they're just that. They're rumors. Yeah. Um, and right off the bat, I, I was like, no, no, there's no way. There's no way that Sony and Marvel are going to play ball enough to bring in every Spider-Man live action in, into this thing and uh and they did they brought in toby mcguire they brought in andrew garfield uh tom holland and somehow <laughs> them being in this movie 
is not the biggest shocker. It's not the most emotional moment. It definitely does that. Um, all of the Spider-Man villains from the previous yeah. films coming in. And the actors that play. And the original okay. actors, which is wild. Um, being in this film. And the, the biggest shocker for me was, was not how much they put into this film. The shocker for me was... Um, that's a Spider-Man reference. Shocker being a, a Spider-Man villain. Oh. Um, <laughs> the... The biggest shock to my system in this was that they managed to put more villains, more heroes, more Spider-Man Saturday morning cartoon stuff into this film than any movie has dared try before. It it's bold. It is bold. I've as I was reading the plot spoilers that came through. I, I literally read the plot beat for beat of what we saw in the movie theater back in September. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, no, I'm sorry. This has to be false. This has to be <laughs> false. And then as pictures started leaking more and more and more in video, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is going to be a train wreck. Yeah. This is going to be an absolute disaster. This is going to make Spider-Man 3 look good. Yeah, you were walking into it thinking having low expectations to thinking it's going to be terrible. Yeah, and then reviews started coming out on Monday and Tuesday, and they were glowing. And I was like, how <laughs> is this going to work? This isn't Spider-Verse. This isn't a cartoon. You, yeah. There is something about a, a cartoon. We, we accept leaps in logic a lot more quickly because there's not that I can reach out and touch it feeling of reality. And so I accept the fact that, yeah, the guy moves like a spider totally (laughs) normal thing whereas when you see an actor crawling on a ceiling in a house i have questions yeah i have lots of questions um and so for them to take this movie and for it to become what feels like an episode of or even an arc of the 1990s spider-man cartoon is bonkers and the fact that multiple times in this movie I cried Uh I laughed several times and at the end I felt hopeful for what this franchise could continue to be yeah um this movie did something else I didn't expect it made me like Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man yes it did um (laughs) I was shocked after the sour taste that or Mr. McGuire had left in my mouth with the rewatch of the Spider-Man films. And he's not terrible. He's following the direction that's given to yeah. him in those movies, as is everyone else. I, I see the Spider-Man that he played in Spider-Man No Way Home. And I want to know in an alternate universe where Tobey Maguire was directed by someone who wasn't Sam Raimi, yeah. how did those movies yeah. turn out? I like that he showed up as a 40-year-old Spider-Man. Yes, he was effectively... And he acted like he would be a 40-year-old Spider-Man. He was a more grown-up version of Peter B. Parker from Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Um, and uh, Andrew Garfield effectively playing multiple levels to his version of Peter Parker. Yeah. So the one side of it being he's 
effectively the exact same Spider-Man that left Amazing Spider-Man 2. But something I don't know if a lot of people picked up on, there is a lot of baggage that he carried from the Amazing Spider-Man films that he brought to this that actually made it better. Yeah. Um, he still, in recent interviews, he has talked about the Amazing Spider-Man films are some of the hardest feelings he has towards a role because it was hard. He never felt like he got to do what he wanted to do mm -hmm. with the character. He never felt like he got to get the full, the full ride. And initially, they wanted Andrew Garfield to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man. Uh, word has come out, and it just didn't work out. And so when he comes into this movie and he talks about after Gwen Stacy dying, everything going dark, and it stopped, he stopped pulling his punches, it's this... It's kind of this double meaning of, yeah, if you lost the person who grounded you as a person, it would make you lose a part of yourself. But it's also this other side of the angst that Andrew Garfield feels for having the role effectively ripped away from him yeah. um, and, and handed to someone else. And this movie manages to give both of those actors closure on the role which is bittersweet for me because now having seen them re-enter this role I kind of want them to come back again <laughs> and and because we've split the multiverse wide open we can accept multiple actors as Batman as the Flash yeah. as Spider-Man why not do a Spider-Man 4 why not do an amazing Spider-Man 3. Why not tell yeah. these stories? Um, and also, for anyone who's read the Spider-Verse comic, there's a lot more Spider-Man out there. Uh, even live-action Spider-Man who did not show up in this. Um, and we could do a bigger, full-on Spider-Verse movie. Yeah. Um, where it's less about the villains and it's more about the Spider-Men. Yeah. Um, but I, I say all that to say I enjoyed this movie. I am fascinated by this movie. I want to watch it again because it is a it is an odd curiosity that is undeniably if you pull it apart, if you put all the pieces on the table, it is a mess. It is a mess from a plot standpoint. It is a mess from a logic standpoint. It is a mess from what they are trying to do with the character. And there are too many pieces and main characters and threads and all of this should be an unmitigated disaster. And somehow all of this on the table, I walk away from it feeling good about the whole prospect. I've actually spent the better part of the last two days really boring down on how do I feel about this <laughs> just because of how much is... There's a part of me that wants the clean plot and the fan service. And unfortunately, I don't, I don't know if the two of those can happen the way I want them to. Yeah. But somehow they made it happen. Yeah. Um, and so what comes to the screen is a big screen comic book. It is a big screen cartoon in live action. Yeah. So I've 
been going now for almost 12 minutes. What what did you, what did you think of this movie? What uh, what did you like? What did you not like? What what grabbed you? Um, I don't know. Going into it, I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't sure. I know I've heard you talk about different things, but I don't um, read up on things like you do, and you don't spoil them for me because you know I'd rather be surprised going in. Yes. So I knew not what to expect. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, uh, goodness, now I'm going blank. But <laughs> I like that there's different aspects of like when uh, when all three of the Spider-Men met up. Yeah. Um, and they all realized, hey, wait, I'm Spider-Man. Wait, you're Spider-Man, all that. So then they were talking about like, oh, who, like, do you have an MJ? No, I had a Gwen. Yeah. Oh, I had an MJ, but it was Mary Jane. Oh, yeah. are you married? It's like, well, it's complicated, but we're working it out. And it's, I kind of like that because it was, you know, they always had a very complicated relationship. So, and so like, something I like that I'm outside of our podcast, I, I listen to several others, but I'm listening to someone who their reading of, of that line was, it was complicated. We've we've worked through it, and we're working through yeah. it. Yeah. Meaning that they're together now, but it was a long, hard road yeah. to get together. Yeah. But and it's like you always say, because she was always in love with the fact that he was, he was Spider Man and not Peter Parker. She didn't notice him when he was just Peter Parker. Yes. So yeah, there's that. But um, I just I like that acknowledgement of that. Yeah. Um. But there was a scene where, um, where um, Garfield and Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, um, caught MJ as she was falling when the Spider-Man for this what was um, Tom Holland. Tom Holland was caught up and couldn't go get her. But just his emotions and catching her when he's like, I, you know, and you could feel the, his thought of, I have to catch her because another woman can't die when I yeah. can save her and. I don't know. There was just those aspects that were very, like... To me, it felt a little deep and heart-wrenching at the same time. It was victorious, in a way. You know? So, I don't know. So, this movie is... Is completely, from top to bottom, filled with fan service. Mm-hmm. And a lot of movies can do that, and it it becomes overwrought, and, and there's no coherent plot. It's just all fan service. This movie makes fan service meet plot to the point that the fan service serves the plot. Um, Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker catching Michelle um, MJ. Yeah. Uh, and then literally being in tears after he's done it, and he goes, yeah. Are you okay? And she goes, Yeah, there's a beat are you okay? Yeah. And those of us who, A, he says earlier that Gwen died. Right. But he, we know why. Yeah. It's, especially after doing our rewatch, it's the one that he didn't save. Right. It's uh, even going to the animated Into the Spider-Verse, every one of them talking about it's not the ones that we save that's hard. It's the ones we can't save. Yeah. And 
and that being a a through line for for the spider-man's stories and for this one yeah um and something that i was caught off guard by in this film was its optimism yes and its drive for something better yeah and i did not expect that um for a number of reasons but one of the things that this movie deals with is Spider-Man not just trying to save the city, but trying to save the villains. Yeah. Because most every one of them, that and they point this out in the film, have something broken. Right. Either a physical malady or a mental issue or, or something that has been thrown off through these experiments gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And... Aunt May in this movie taking on the role of Uncle Ben. Oh gosh. <laughs> and and her death being the most earned moment character-wise. We've we've seen her in Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, Captain America Civil War, and Avengers Endgame, and and really dealt with her being his aunt and this actual attachment we feel that relationship and we've seen her over the course of this being she's a fun loving aunt but what she does professionally is she works for charities and when when she tells Peter hey I know this these are villains we have to do what's right by them we have to try to you have to try to help them and her talking Peter out of taking the easy route. Yeah. And there's, we'll get into it when we, we yeah. talk about the plot, but there's a moment where even in the face of her choice has led to her death, she yeah. stands by it. Yeah. And that's a powerful moment. That is an obscenely powerful yeah. moment. And um, this movie somehow swings between incredible humor and gut-wrenching drama. Yeah. Like, literally frame to frame. And in a lesser director's hands, it would lead to such tonal whiplash that you wouldn't feel what you're supposed to feel when you hit a funny moment you wouldn't be able to laugh when you hit a serious moment you wouldn't be able to feel the the weight of it and this manages to just pummel you and make each moment land yeah um and that's a that's an achievement when i said this movie was an achievement this movie is an achievement yeah um so we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're going to do a plot breakdown of this movie we're going to talk about easter eggs we're going to talk about uh favorite moments uh where i can recall moments that might have taken me out of the movie uh we'll talk about those uh and that'll be our episode so hope you'll stick around So Spider-Man No Way Home picks up 
exactly where Spider-Man Far From Home ends. Yes. So literally the opening, uh, as the opening logos are coming up, you're hearing the narration of the news report of, uh, of the battle in, in London and the aftermath and, yeah. J. Uh, Jonah Jameson <laughs> revealing that the secret identity of, uh, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And right off the bat, everything's nuts. Uh, everyone on the street recognizes Spider-Man and, uh, Michelle, we're going to just call her MJ for the, for the sake of this. Um, and they're web slinging through the city all over the place, uh, into the sewer at one point. She's freaking out. Cause if you remember the end of Spider-Man yeah, Far didn't From like Home, she, <laughs> she hated it, which is one of my favorite parts of that movie is yeah. every time we ever see the uh, superhero and the love interest, it's always like, yay, I get to fly with Superman or yay, I get to web sling with Sp Spider-Man. Not the fact that you are whipping around at high rates of speed, right. well above this city yeah. street. Like what if Spider-Man loses his powers mid swing? <laughs> that is a scary thought. Yeah. Um, and she's freaked out and that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so eventually they arrive at Peter's apartment. They're tracked down by uh, damage control, uh, which is a branch of the government. Uh, and Peter and Aunt May and Happy Hogan and uh, MJ. MJ and Ned are all detained uh, under suspected terrorism. And so they call for a lawyer and they get out of holding and when they get back to uh happy's apartment uh or no it's peter's apartment uh we get to see who their lawyer is and it is matt murdoch uh and this is matt murdoch uh played by uh I'm blanking on his name now charlie cox and uh i've got notes open in front of me because there are so many cameos. There's so much going on. Uh, I'm really excited about this. I adored the Daredevil TV show on Netflix um, with Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio. And for both of those actors to be able to return to the role in the proper MCU, mm -hmm. um, most of the Netflix shows... Uh, and other TV shows had kind of been separated from Marvel canon yeah. because Marvel TV and Marvel Cinematic kind of had a falling out um, to the point where they were strangers to each other. And it really stunk because the TV was trying to be a part of the cinematic universe, but the cinematic universe was like, no, we're not going to pay attention <laughs> to that. And uh, it, it wasn't as under one roof and collaborative as it is now. So to see uh, Vincent D'Onofrio return as the Kingpin and Hawkeye, uh, I apologize if I just spoiled that for you. Um, <laughs> and to see, uh, to see Charlie Cox return as Daredevil, I'm very excited by. Um, mainly because that's a character and a version of a character I, I like very, very much. Um, so Matt Murdock basically tells uh, the kids, hey, you're cleared. Um, 
crime-wise. That said, in the court of public opinion, you're you're going to be in trouble. And so kids go back to school, um, and it's their senior year. Everything's different now. The teachers are really stilted towards Peter. Um, and public opinion is divided 50-50. Some people believe that Quentin Beck uh, was telling the truth and that Peter is a supervillain. Um, the other people think Peter's a hero. Uh, Flash Thompson is great in this because <laughs> he wants to he wants to be considered Spider-Man's uh, best friend. And uh, after he was a jerk through the previous two films, uh, it's it's really neat to see this play out in the comics. Uh, Peter's identity was outed in, uh, and he did so voluntarily in the pages of civil war back in 2006. Um, and during that period, uh, everything kind of goes to hell in a handbasket and eventually it leads to some not nice things happening to Peter and his family. Um, and that eventually leads to a storyline that this movie replicates at its end, and we will talk a little bit about then. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of plot between here and there, so we're going <laughs> to return to the movie. Um, so basically, the kids, it's their senior year. They've got to apply to colleges, so they all apply to the same colleges. The idea being that surely they'll all get into the same college. Surely they'll be able to make it. And because of all the controversy around them, they're not able to get into any of the colleges that they want. And this is a blow uh, for all of them, uh, all because he's been outed as Spider-Man. And so uh, Peter is just distraught. He He's sitting there, he's trying to figure it out. And so he goes to Doctor Strange and... Uh, after seeing uh, a neat Halloween decoration in uh, MJ's cafe uh, and goes to visit Doctor Strange. And as as he walks in, he calls Doctor Strange, sir. And Doctor Strange is like, uh, you don't need to call me, sir. Uh, you can call me Steven. He calls him Steven. He's like, no, nah, that's weird. <laughs> um, that's and, weird, but okay. <laughs> but okay. Yeah. Uh, and he asks him, hey, is there a way to uh, travel back in time before Mysterio outed me? And Doctor Strange is like, well, first of all, no. We tore up time and space just to return people to life. And second, I don't have the time stone, so I couldn't do this even if I wanted to. Um, and he... He goes, nah, forget about it. I'm sorry. And him saying, forget about it, gives Doctor Strange an idea. Hey, there's this spell I've got. We can make people forget. And so he takes Peter down, starts doing the spell, and Peter starts throwing in exceptions to the spell, and everything just goes wacky. Just absolutely wacky. But Doctor Strange is able to close up the spell inside a box. It's okay. We got it. You throwing all this stuff around, you opened up the possibility of the multiverse. Like we know nothing about it. It's possible that people from everywhere could, could come in if, if this thing got loose. 
and we don't know what that would do. And so he's like, Peter, I'm sorry that the college won't do this. If you've already done, if you've already talked to them and they won't, they won't let you in. And Peter goes, wait, you mean I could, I could, (laughs) I could talk to them. And strange goes, you didn't call them and ask. And Peter's like, uh, and next scene is him getting kicked out of the Sanctum Sanctorum, which is fantastic on, on two levels. First of all, as a recovering dumb kid, <laughs> I'm 36 years old. On the inside, I'm still a dumb kid. I understand it's slipping your mind. The most common sense thing as a manager of some guys who can act like dumb kids the moment where Doctor Strange just kicks him out of the building, I'm like, oh, I commiserate with you so much. Every every kid who forgot that his family was going on vacation, even though they've had it on their calendar for months, and they don't ask off until the week before, I'm like, oh, you stupid kid. Um, I, I appreciated it so much, just because it is very true to what a 17, 18-year-old kid would do. It's... Yeah. You know, they, they're they not thinking that. What's right in front of them is the most pressing thing. Yeah. That is not exclusive to teenagers. As yeah. a 36-year-old man, do the exact same thing. Yeah, I'm Bef- guilty. Before we were recording, I was angry about something that in hindsight seems very, very silly. <laughs> not going to go into it. Just going to say you learn and you grow yeah. or you become a miserable husk of a human being. Yeah. Um, so... Peter decides, hey, I've got to, I've got to get through to this uh, admissions team. There's a lady chancellor from MIT who's in town. Um, I'm going to go reach out to her. Uh, and so he's Peter's able to figure out where she is through Flash, uh, who requests that Peter uh, swing him everywhere for uh, for two weeks uh, and say he's. Uh, say that Spider-Man is Flash's best friend. Um, And he tracks the lady down to uh, a bridge where she's sitting in traffic, knocks on the window, and basically his appeal is, hey, all of this is on me. Please don't punish my friends for, for who I am. And as he's making this appeal, the bridge starts to shake. Vehicles start to get crushed. And out of the mist comes Dr. Octopus, played by a via CG uh, youthened uh, Alfred Molina. And uh, he looks great. And uh, I think he looked younger than he did in the. A little bit. He definitely looked thinner. Yeah. Um, and uh, Alfred Molina is the Dr. Octopus from Spider Man 2 yeah. for the most part. Um, and this is where I'll talk about something that took me out of the movie a little bit because there are five supervillains in this movie and three main leads and two secondary leads. Well, three secondary leads. Um, this movie has so much going on, even in a two and a half hour time span, not enough time is given to really give the weight to Dr. Octopus or the Green Goblin or all of the Spider-Men. And so 
some of it comes off as a little shallow. Uh, Dr. Octopus in particular, uh, whereas in Spider-Man 2, he is easily the weight of the movie and and has a lot of uh, gravitas and, and humanity. And in this, he comes off as a cartoon character. But that's okay, because this movie is largely a cartoon. Yeah. Um, but he attacks uh, Peter... Uh, Peter is wearing the Iron Spider uh, outfit uh, that's made up of nanomachines. Uh, Dr. Octopus thinks that he's going to steal some of the nanomachines, but by doing that, Peter gains control of Dr. Octopus's arms, uh, which I thought was a fantastic twist. Um, The the Lady Chancellor uh, talks to uh, Peter and goes, you saved my life. I'm going to make sure that you and your friends are given a second chance. And he goes, well, it was just for my friends. And she goes, no, 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 no. If this is how you act, if this is how you save people, I'm going to make sure you're at least hurt out. Yeah. And so off they go. Uh, and Peter, uh, at this point, is immediately teleported to the Sanctum Sanctorum, where we see Dr. Octopus still trapped by his own arms Mm -hmm. and what Peter calls a dinosaur, the lizard. Yeah. And we learned that all sorts of tears have opened up. All sorts of people came through when Peter started making exceptions to who would remember who was Spider-Man. It basically let in anyone who knew that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, even people from other universes. And that's a great twist. That's a fantastic twist. Um, and so Doctor Strange being the lovable curmudgeon and I like to think 36-year-old middle manager. Um, that's what I am. Uh, basically goes, this is your mech. Clean up your mess. And, uh, and so Peter, MJ, and Ned all set out to uh, track down uh, the other universe villains. Uh, something I really like during this period is where both Betsy and I, independently of each other, made a visit to the restroom. Yeah. So there's stuff that I might have missed. There's stuff that yeah. you. This missed. is the the part where they first. Bef- this is the part where I missed. I missed about five minutes. Okay, so uh, earlier in the movie, uh, they have moved into Happy's uh, apartment. Yeah. Uh, Aunt May gets uh, the bed while Happy is in an armchair with a CPAP machine uh, while Peter's on the couch. Uh, And also, Peter gets attacked with a big bucket of green paint. It has green paint all over his costume. And so when he goes to visit uh, Doctor Strange, he's trying to clean uh, his costume but can't get it. So he flips it inside out. Doctor Strange makes a modification to Peter's gauntlet to where whenever he shoots a web, if it makes contact with a villain, it will transport them to one of the special jail cells. So, uh... I totally missed that part. Okay. So, uh, also on the bridge, a certain uh, green goblin attacked, and Peter 
saw that. So if all of this is jumbled and not making sense, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to do this free from my notes. I've got Wikipedia with plot synopsis open on my lap. I'm just trying to go without it as much as I can. Uh, so uh, Peter learns that there is something going on with a uh, character of pure energy upstate. So he web slings up there and we get to meet Electro, played by Jamie Foxx. This is where I came back. <laughs> yes. And uh, Jamie Foxx uh, and Jamie Foxx is trying to suck the power off of a Transformer area. Uh, and right about this time, uh, Flint Marco, the Sandman, played by Thomas Hayden Church, shows up. And when we last saw him in Spider-Man 3, he wasn't as much of a villain to Spider-Man. Uh, and so he wants to help Spider-Man out. Spider-Man tries to capture Electro, eventually is able to nail him, send him to the, to the jail cell. Oh, also he's naked. Uh, yeah. So before they send him to the jail cell, they throw some electrician's clothes on him. Yeah. Um, uh, they also managed to nab uh, Sandman, who turns on Peter after he makes Electro disappear. Uh, I'll be honest, I wouldn't trust someone who just made someone disintegrate either. Yeah. Um, and so they arrive at the Sanctum Sanctorum. Uh, and so at this time, we've got... Uh, we have Electro, Dr. Octopus... Wizard. The Lizard, Sandman, and somewhere out there, the Green Goblin is loose. Now, during my visit to the bathroom, I know what happened, yeah. but I didn't get to see it. So, the Green Goblin... So, it's just, it goes to him, he's just in an alley. Uh-huh. Um, and he's looking around, confused at where he's at, and the mask is hanging out of a garbage can, uh -huh. out of a dumpster. And it's talking to him, telling him uh, that he needs to catch Peter or whatever. I, I don't remember everything. But it was just taunting him, telling him yeah. what he needs to do. And he smashes the mask. Okay. Um, and so with this with this thought line, you're thinking, oh, he's he's trying to gain independence from, from the goblin. From the goblin. Um, and then it goes into... Okay, so... To where he's, he goes and meets up with uh, Aunt, May. Aunt May. Okay, and that's, that's when I return. And uh, also, it's important at this point that I share that um, I managed to trip over <laughs> uh, everyone between me and my seat <laughs> uh, and almost face-planted at the movie theater. Um, if it wasn't for the seat there to catch you. Yeah, um, all because I was trying to avoid something that Nick Scarpino uh, from Kind of Funny <laughs> did during the uh, Spider-Man Far From Home viewing. Uh, if you watch their Spider-Man Far From Home review from 2019, you'll get to hear that story. Um, <laughs> I was trying to avoid that fate and got something more embarrassing as <laughs> in the process. So, uh, back to the movie. Yeah, that was really embarrassing. A 220-pound man stumbling and falling across two people, saying I'm sorry so many times as he stumbles and scutters to his seat. While trying not to be disruptive. Yes. 
trying not to be disruptive, I was the yeah. most disruptive. Well, the worst part was when I came back, I also tripped over them, trying not to, and then ran into two seats on the way back down. Yeah. So, so we both kind of were very disruptive within it, a five-minute period of it, each other. It was, the, <laughs> it was the Burdette's day to ruin a movie for people. Anyhow, uh, so... Um, what's really fun at this point in the movie is uh, the Green Goblin shows up at Feast, which is the charity where Aunt May works, um, and he's wearing what's honestly a better Green Goblin costume than the original Green yeah. Goblin costume. Uh, he's got the uh, purple and green kind of rags on, mm-hmm. uh, and Aunt May realizes very quickly that this is one of the guys that Peter's looking for. Yeah. And so Aunt May calls Peter. Peter comes and picks Norman up and takes him back to Doctor Strange's uh, Sanctum Sanctorum. It's at this point that is it is revealed that several of the villains, because they come from different times in addition to different universes, are aware of other villains being dead yeah. because Spider-Man killed them. Yeah. And this is... This is a, a point where it's revealed that most of these guys, if and when they go back, are going to die. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Strange goes, that's their fate. Yeah. There's nothing that can be done. And Peter's like, well, what if we tried to help him? We could cure him. My, my aunt said we need to try to help him. And Doctor Strange goes, I'm sorry, kid. In the grand scheme of things, this is a few lives for a few trillion lives. Yeah. It's... This is what has to happen. And Peter steals Doctor Strange's uh, doomsday device, which is the trap spell, and he runs away. And we get a really cool, uh, basically, keep away game between Doctor Strange and Spider-Man that ends up in the Mirror Universe where, uh, from the movie Doctor Strange... Uh, which was actually the coolest part of... We watched this movie in 3D. Oh, yeah. It was the coolest part of the 3D, the the mirror universe, because everything looks like a kaleidoscope. And I don't do drugs, but I considered it (laughs) for the two-minute segment that was in, in the mirror universe. I totally forgot that we ended up watching it in 3D, which was not the plan. That was an accident. So, yes, we, we shifted theaters because of a sold-out IMAX showing just felt a little bit much yeah. for me dealing with social anxiety and just starting to reintroduce myself into, into groups of people. Um, and so uh, Spider-Man steals Doctor Strange's sling ring uh, and gets back. The plan is with the villains, hey, I've got this device. I can send you back at any moment. If, if you get rowdy. But if you're willing to follow my lead, I'd like to try to fix you. And Dr. Octopus has a great line. He goes, oh, fixes in snip, snip. And, uh, and he goes, no, I'm, you guys have stuff going on with you that is making it to where Spider-Man thinks the only way to stop you is to kill you. I want to fix that. And so, Spider-Man, MJ, and Ned smuggle these guys to the only hideout where they think they'll be safe. Happy Hogan's apartment. (laughs) And with that, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, the story of No Way Home continues.
All right, and we're back. And we're at the most exciting place that this movie could possibly be. An apartment complex. <laughs> a fancy apartment complex. So, Happy has like a two, a two floor, maybe... I would say two to three bedroom apartment. Uh, and he's got like all of the fancy nest locks and he's yeah. got a, he's got a, a nest cam and all of that. And uh, as all of the supervillains are, are ushered by the, the nest camera, I, I got a good chuckle out of that yeah. just because you, you have a man made of sand. You have a man wrapped up in metal octopus arms. You have a, <laughs> you have an old guy who's wearing homeless rags. You've got a, a, a black guy who looks a little jacked up. You've got, you you have this just ridiculous number of weird people. You have, they leave the lizard down in the truck because that's the one thing they couldn't get away with, in spite of the fact that one guy is a walking sand pile. Well, they, they even say they're trying to get him out, but he refused to come up. Yeah, so uh, I like to think that that's just because Risa Fons was just like. I really don't want to. And they're like, that's fine. We got more than enough people in this scene. Yeah. Um, and so this, we get up to the apartment and Norman is trying to help. He's, he's working with, uh, Peter. Oh, I jumped, totally jumped over the fact where they, they use the famous line and meme from Norman Osborn, I'm something of a scientist myself <laughs> uh, at Doctor Strange's prison, and uh, I'll be honest, I it got a chuckle out of me, but I also rolled my eyes. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I love Willem Dafoe, but uh, <laughs> so um, He's helping Peter. They're trying to figure out the first person they're going to try to help is uh, Dr. Octopus. And uh, they've identified that the inhibitor chip being damaged is what has caused um, him to be kind of a jerk. And uh, while they're working on that, they also figure out this plug for uh, Electro that's going to slowly drain him down to an acceptable amount of electricity in his system uh, to bring him back to being human. And so as uh, they're working on all of this, they're able to uh, get uh, Dr. Octavius cured. He's back to being a non-douchey person with octopus arms. He returns the nano machines to Peter, uh, which gives him a cool uh, gold spider symbol on his regular Spider-Man outfit. Um, Aunt May is, is there with him, kind of talking to everybody and uh, help, helping coach Peter along. Uh, about this time, Peter's spider sense starts going nuts. Just absolutely nuts. And it's this great moment of tension as he looks around at all of the five supervillains trying to figure out who it is, what's going on. And he eventually webs the hand of Norman Osborn wasn't something said like beforehand, like after they after he helped Doc Ock and he was working on Electro. Uh -huh. One of the one of them said something to Norman 
about being fixed or something, and then all of a sudden he just with the, it just shows his back, and you can just oh he does it it is talking to him from the rear, and and he's like uh you'll you won't have the voices inside, and it's like. He, he turns his back and you get that slightly lower yeah. octave and he goes yeah just one of us yeah and it just kind of it, it's very kind of eerie and it just almost gives you chills like oh my gosh he's he's been pretending this whole time and so at this at this moment uh, everything goes nuts and all of the supervillains just kind of break loose and all of this happens while J. Jonah Jameson is outside trying to out Peter and everything goes nuts and and he's there to see it happen mm-hmm. and everyone breaks loose uh, Peter tells Aunt May to run um, all of this is happening and MJ and Ned are at another site waiting to hit the button if something goes wrong. Um, All the villains get loose except the Green Goblin who just goes after Peter. And we get... The fight scenes in this movie are vicious. Yes. Like, they are vicious. Like, full-on hard punches, hard hits. Like, people are hitting too hurt someone not to look fancy and pretty like it is brutal and the fights between Peter and the Goblin are it feels like that last scene in Spider-Man 1 which is one of my favorite moments where they're just going and it is a brawl and it's this knockdown drag out knockdown drag out fight between the two of them that lands in the lobby of Happy's building and Goblin's got Peter by the throat and Aunt May comes to to tag Norman with the antidote and right as all of that's happening Norman the Goblin calls his glider it comes in knocks down May he pops out a a pumpkin bomb to to finish him off and Peter dives in front of it takes a brunt of the blast it blows up the lobby Goblin gets away and you're like oh gosh they they killed Aunt May and Aunt May starts getting up and she starts talking to Peter she's like she's like I just I need to catch my breath it's okay I just need to catch my breath and talking through with Peter and so full transparency I was aware that she died in this movie and so I'm like well how are they gonna do this and the answer is they do it in the most heart-wrenching way possible Mm -hmm. um had they just killed her um Tom Holland's acting is very strong yeah and it would have driven home the point of uh him feeling all this weight and guilt. Aunt May has a purpose in this film and it is to reinforce to Peter that killing is wrong. That she delivers the original comic book line of um, 
with great power uh, must come great responsibility, which is the original comic book line, um, which wasn't stated by Uncle Ben in the comic books. It was a it was a narration at the end of Amazing Fantasy 15. Ah. Um, they retconned it to be Uncle Ben uh, late in the 70s, early 80s, and then it entered the public consciousness in. 2002 with the Spider-Man movie, it's like, oh, Sp- Uncle Ben always says this. Yeah. And to make her the person who is the most important to Peter, who sends that message to him and drills it home to him, he says, I should have just done this. I should have just done what Doctor Strange said. And she grabs him and says, no. You did the right thing. With great power must come great responsibility. And then she bleeds out in his arms. Yes. And he delivers such a great performance of loss. Happy pulls up and makes eye contact with Peter and gets arrested by damage control and sees it in Peter's eyes that May's gone. And both Tom Holland and John Favreau give such great performances in this scene. It is a scene that rips your heart out of your chest. I knew it was coming, and it broke me. So now you're talking about, I'm like starting to well up and cry now. I had no emotion during that scene. During the last part of the movie, as I talked about, even at the end. Um, and I don't know if it's because I didn't expect it. And so in my brain, it wasn't really happening like that I'm like wait what's gonna you know what's gonna happen kind of thing are they gonna go back and change things in time whatever yes so emotionally I couldn't I didn't catch what's going on but now as we're talking about it I'm hearing you talk about it and I'm like I feel it well I feel the emotion and everything I'm like why did I not feel that while I was watching so (laughs) so I think there's there's two sides to that one in in genre fiction specifically specifically comic book movies we are so numb to to secondary characters deaths that we just brush it off two with avengers endgame and and the way the multiverse works someone could die and be brought back right and so we just write it off oh they could be brought back it's comic books are the most guilty of this they bring back people who die all the time i think that's why i was i was waiting for that in the end i was waiting for that to to happen in the end. I'm like, it's Aunt May. Aunt May doesn't die. But for me, it was extremely important that they didn't bring her back. And they don't. Spoiler for the end of the movie. They They don't don't bring Aunt May back. And that was an extremely powerful moment. It was an extremely powerful choice. Uh, The fact that it took this long for Peter's guardian to to have that, um, that was a huge, that was a huge choice that pays off. It wasn't in the first movie. It was something after you get to know her and know their relationship. So at this point in the movie, we switch over to Ned and MJ, who have been waiting and have not heard from Peter. They know everything went down because they watched it on the news. Yeah. And MJ, who, by the way, it's revealed is MJ Watson, Michelle Jones Watson, but she doesn't go by the Watson. Yeah. Uh, which was a, a nice a nice yeah. little trick in this um, they're like I can't bring myself to 
to hit the button. I know that's not what Peter wanted. I know that's not what... Yeah. I wish we could just find Peter. And Ned says this out loud while he's got the sling ring on from Doctor Strange. And a portal starts to form in the air. Like, wait a minute. Do that again. (laughs) And, And MJ goes, do it again. He goes, I just wish we could find Peter. I wish we could find Peter Parker. And a portal opens up. And we see someone in a Spider-Man costume. Spider-Man. And Ned starts calling, Hey, Peter! Come on, Peter! Come on! And in through the hole runs the amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield. And I couldn't help it. Every cynical bone in my 36-year-old jaded mind just dropped. And I was clapping and crying. I the whole theater. I was I was crying. I knew it was coming. I had had it spoiled for me. One o'clock on the dot and it's raining. Sorry. I am a prophet. Sorry, that's a something. Anyhow, um, (laughs) I was crying and clapping, and then he takes the mask off and is is talking with him, and he is just as charming as he was in the Amazing Spider-Man films, and they don't believe him, and. And Ned's, Ned's, uh, I guess it's his grandma. Yeah. Uh, is is like, is like freaking out, and and he, they say, prove it, prove that you're Spider-Man. They throw stuff at him, and he refuses to dodge it. <laughs> and he's like, an apple's not life-threatening. Stop throwing stuff at me. <laughs> and they're like, prove you're Spider-Man. And so he jumps up and. Grabs onto the ceiling with two fingers. And they're like, come on, do more than that. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. Crawl across (laughs) the ceiling. And he's like, really? Really? And and Ned's grandma's like, while you're up there, could you get a cobweb? Yeah. And he kind (sighs) of shaved, crawls across the ceiling on all fours and dusts (laughs) away a cobweb. And... It's charming and funny, and they're like, okay, we've got to find the real Peter. And they're like, no offense. And Andrew Garfield just exasperated. It's like, whatever. And so they try it again. And this time, Toby McGuire comes through (laughs) the hole. And again... And he's not in costume. He is not in costume. And... Again, every cynical bone in my body melts away and I'm clapping with the rest of the audience and hooting and hollering. And And I did not recognize that first. I was like, who's that? I don't remember that Spider-Man. It but is, then it took me a minute to be like, it oh, is that's a, Toby Maguire. It is a 40-year-old a Toby Maguire. And And they're talking and they're trying to figure out what to do and, and where to go. And they they talk about where their special place was when they needed to go to be alone. And uh, Peter's like, uh, mine was the Chrysler Building. And uh, and uh, Andrew Garfield's like, Empire State. That's a great spot, though. And he's like, yeah, yours too. And so MJ goes, I think I know where Peter is. And he's on top of their school. And he... His eyes are puffy from crying. He is... His face is bloody from fighting. He is a wreck. And MJ and Ned show up, and they're his friends. 
and they go, hey, I know, I know, we brought some help. And the other two Spider-Men drop in and they all are there and they talk through the fact that, yeah, we've fought these guys before and Peter, Peter just wants to push the button and be done. Yeah. But MJ goes, no, no, we can't do that. That's not what May would have wanted. And that rips your heart open again. Yeah. But but Peter makes the connection. He's like, you're right. We've got to cure him. And between the three Spider-Men, they're like, I think we can do this. I think we can cure him. And so they go to a scene and we get a great scene where the three Spider-Men are fully engaging their, their nerdy professor side. I have to be honest, this is the first time we've seen Tobey Maguire in the nerd mode where he is not just being goofy, he's actually doing something intelligent. Yeah. He's doing something smart. Yeah. And as I said before, seeing Tobey Maguire directed this way in this movie, I want to see an old man Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Because directed properly in this movie, he gives such a good performance. Yeah. He gives a great performance of an of a guy who's done this for years. It reminded me of the best parts of Ben Affleck's Batman. It reminded me of the best parts of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and Logan. It's this, this guy who's done it for a number of years and feels beat down. And Andrew Garfield is, is just jaded. He talks about after, after Gwen died, he goes, I just stopped pulling my punches. I, and he's in a dark place and everyone's talking about their loved ones, their love, their lost loved ones, how things worked out and how they didn't work out. And Andrew Garfield is talking about basically he gave up on a personal life. He's now all in on being Spider-Man, but he's kind of a rougher Spider-Man. Um, Mary Jane and Peter in the in the McGuire verse have uh, they've gotten together, but it was complicated getting there. Uh, and sorry, I'm distracted. The neighbors out there riding a unicycle. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you heard it here, guys, on this very visually based podcast. It is raining outside. There, it is raining outside. <laughs> there is a guy in headphones unicycling down the road. Oh, sorry, I walked in. He was using his car out there to get on it, and he's struggling, but then he just got... Sorry. Good Lord. Sorry, I got distracted. There are some things <laughs> that I expect to see in a in the city, and there are some things that just... Man, you there's always something new. Um, <laughs> anyhow... <laughs> Back to the movie. Um, I really love the scene between the, the three Spider-Men as they're they're talking through things, uh, figuring things out, comparing notes. Um, Andrew Garfield has a great line to Tobey Maguire where he's like, so um, are you going to come help us fight the bad guys dressed as a cool youth pastor? Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, and Toby really Maguire, was. Toby Maguire pulls down the top of his shirt, and he's got his costume underneath. And uh, they all formulate the different uh, cures uh, to take on their foes. Mm -hmm. And 
we learn as the Spider-Men are talking about how they dealt with the, their villains in kind of a lethal way. They've always regretted not being able to save the villains. And so they want to they want to help. They want to save these villains. And if you've ever read a Spider-Man comic book or or watched a Spider-Man cartoon, that's Spider-Man. Spider-Man is there to help. Yeah. He is there to save lives. He's not there to kill. He's not there to punish. And before they go to fight, they're trying to talk about what they need to do. And MJ goes, let's kick ass. Yeah. And it's a cheesy moment, but it's a good moment. It's yeah. a, again, every cynical bone in my body is melted at this point, And I'm in. But they get, Tobey Maguire goes, no, let's save some ass. Yeah. And it's silly and it's goofy. And they all say it together. Let's save some ass. <laughs> and... As goofy as it sounds, as silly as it sounds, even coming out of my mouth, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to save people. They're trying to save the villains. And so they've got to figure out where to draw the battle lines. And when we come back, we're going to tell you where. Okay, and so we are at the climax of this film, and we are also at, hands down, one of the biggest complaints I have against this movie. Oh, okay. Um, so, in the movie, very early on, they show that they're putting Captain America's shield on the Statue of Liberty. They never explain why. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. They, they briefly mention it early in the movie. It's like, some people have a problem with it, and then they never talk about it ever again. Like, is the Statue of Liberty holding the shield? Are they going to turn it into a Captain America Statue of Liberty? <laughs> What's the plan? But the cap shield is put up in front of the Statue of Liberty. And that's the big problem I have with it. Right. it. It makes for a good set piece. The end of the movie is the Statue of Liberty. That is where they're going to fight the villains. Um, someone pointed this out. Uh, Tim Geddes on the Kind of Funny uh, review of Spider-Man No Way Home pointed this out. I did not pick up on it. I want to give full credit to him for pointing this out. Um, this movie and specifically this set piece is a summation of 20 years of superhero films mm. the end of the original x-men movie is a fight on top of the statue of liberty then you have all the spider-men then this is a part of the mcu this is a summation of 20 years of superhero movies huh. it was a very neat just I wouldn't have thought about that if it hadn't been brought yeah. up. And I want to give full credit there. Because that... I hadn't thought about it. It gives me a new appreciation. Yeah. Still think it's a little sweaty uh, <laughs> getting the, the cap shield in it. But it it's a neat statement. So, we get to the, to the final climax. Uh, Peter puts out a call to uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Puts it out on the air of, hey... If you want to come find me, supervillains, I'm going to be at the Statue of Liberty. Um, 
and I'll be waiting for you. And so he and the other two Peters, uh, who call themselves Peter 2 for Tobey Maguire, Peter 3 for Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Um, which is a neat little meta piece of commentary on how people rank the Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> not my ranking, but theirs. Yeah. Uh, and we get a... We get a really good scene of them getting the Home Alone trap ready. And they're talking through it. They're talking about how they're going to take things down, how they're going to work together. And uh, immediately, as soon as the supervillains start showing up, things start going sideways. Yeah. Um, Electro shows up. He's got an old arc reactor in his chest. And so he's got as much power as he needs. Um, the lizard starts trying to, to attack. Uh, the bait for all the villains, by the way, is the box that will send them home. Uh, and so they, everyone's present, all set to go. Villains start attacking and the Spider-Men don't work well in a team. <laughs> and, uh, very quickly they point out that they don't work well in a team. <laughs> They're getting overwhelmed by the villains. They're trying to take them on one-to-one -one and, and getting their rear ends handed to them. And uh, we get some cute back and forth between the, the Spider-Men and their uh, villains and some of the villains they haven't faced. Oh, I keep the little things that, that I forgot. Uh, when the Spider-Men are getting ready, they talk about, who's your weirdest villain? And... Uh, and Toby McGuire's like, well, I fought this uh, alien made of black goo. Yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, Tom Holland's like, well, I went and fought a, a big purple alien in space. <laughs> and Andrew Garfield's like, ah, I feel lame now. It's like, I just fought a Russian guy in a rhino costume. <laughs> yeah. And all of that is, is wonderful, just filling in the gaps. But when they're fighting... Uh, Toby McGuire sees the lizard. He's like, Dr. Connors. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, eventually the Spider-Men regroup and they're like, hey, we've got to fight as a team. Tom Holland's like, guys, I, I'm a part of this world's Avengers. Avengers? That's great. Who are they? Are they a band? <laughs> are you in a band? <laughs> He's like, no, guys, just listen. We need to communicate. We need to work together. Here's the plan. We're gonna we're all gonna face off on one villain at a time, and we're gonna we're gonna work together and communicate. And uh, it's a great moment. I love that moment. Uh, it reminded me of when I did uh, a training with our church. They were uh, talking us through security training with an active shooter scenario, and they pointed out that guys tend to not talk. Uh, and as such are very bad at communicating with each other and going into situations not understanding. They just go and do instead of communicating. Mm -hmm. And so they can, if they don't practice together, they can be really bad going into situations together. Whereas, uh, fun fact, the best security people are typically women because they're usually more natural communicators and they're better communicating with each other up front. Yeah. And so it it was interesting to watch it in this scenario where these guys are like, oh, I'm Spider-Man. And then you're 
like accidentally webbing another Spider-Man and uh, so they face off against the villains. They uh, convert a couple. When they go to try to stop Electro, they're getting beat badly and Dr. Octopus shows back up pretending to be a bad guy and he's able to stop Electro. Yeah. Um, and it's at this point they've stopped most of the villains. Uh, Tobey Maguire's able to meet with Doc Ock and Andrew Garfield's able to meet with Electro and Tobey Maguire meets with Doc Ock and he's like it's good to see you my boy it's <laughs> and it's this it's this good moment where they're at peace they're able to talk through it and be okay with each other they're not fighting each other yeah uh Electro sh- talks to Spider-Man he's like now I gotta go back and be a loser and Andrew's like, you're not a loser, man. You never were. It's okay. It's all right, man. <laughs> and they they have a moment. And it's this, again, this movie brings closure to stories that honestly ended kind of open-ended. Yeah. And even the Sandman being converted back to a human being. And now when he goes back, he's not a sand monster. Yeah. Um... And so, all of a sudden, the Green Goblin comes in and is just wrecking shop. Blows up uh, the Statue of Liberty's connection to the Cap's shield. Uh, MJ is thrown off, so is Ned. Uh, Peter's trying to save. Uh, Tom Holland, Peter, is trying to save. And gets grabbed by the Goblin. And he's screaming as MJ is falling. And in in swoops Andrew Garfield Spider-Man saves her pulls off his mask and hey are you okay and he's just welling up with yeah. tears because he in that moment you can see PTSD of the moment he missed saving Gwen yeah and and she's like yeah are you and he smiles and and we go back to the fight but All through the fight, Norman Osborn is goading Peter, uh, Tom Holland, and talking about how it's your fault your aunt's dead. It's your fault. He goes, I might have pulled the trigger. You're the one who pointed the gun. And he's just, he's sitting there and he's just, he's attacking physically, but he's going after his heart, just like the character in the original Spider-Man. And he is vicious. And as much as I love Willem Dafoe and the original Spider-Man, this is the definitive version of the Green Goblin now for me. Yeah. The fact that he's able to use his face and have that that animated, almost goblin-like visage on Willem Dafoe's face. Yeah. And he is just sitting there and mocking and mocking and goading and driving. And it's the Green Goblin from the comics. It's Norman Osborn being a sadistic a-hole and just, ugh, just digging at and digging at and he has killed someone important to Peter and he's gonna remind Peter of every minute of it. Yeah. And Tom Holland just loses it and beats down Norman Osborn and is about to kill him with his own glider when Tobey Maguire swings in and stops him and reminds him, hey, no, that's that's not why we're here. 
that's not why we're here. And at this point, that's about to be the end of it. But then Norman Osborn tries to kill Tobey Maguire, stabs him. Andrew Garfield throws Tom Holland the cure and he injects Norman Osborn. And the day saved, except during the scuffle, the shell broke on the spell and it is tearing reality apart. Yeah. And Doctor Strange has come in at the last minute. He's holding reality together as best he can, but it is opening up and you can see other villains sitting there on the edge of reality ready to pour in. Yeah. And Peter realizes he has to take responsibility for his actions. And he goes up to Doctor Strange and he goes, can we go back to what it was before? And he's like, Peter, we can't. And he goes, no. Can we can we go to where no one remembers Peter Parker? And Doctor Strange stops and he's like, no one will remember you. I won't remember you. No, none of us will remember who you are, what you did. And Peter says, this is my mess. I've got to clean it up. And Doctor Strange gets choked up and he's like, all right, you need to go say goodbye to your friends. He goes, because when this is over, they, they won't know who you are. And Peter goes down and tells him what's going to happen and MJ's like I'll remember I have to and and Tom Holland's like I, I hope so I hope so and the spell goes off and everyone's returned to their original realities the holes are closed the universe is fixed and it's a few days later and Peter is going to visit MJ at her job at the cafe and he goes and she doesn't remember who he is on the news J. Jonah Jameson remembers that Spider-Man's a menace but he needs to unmask and uh, Peter goes to talk to Ned and MJ neither of whom remember him and He has it written on paper what he needs to say to get her to remember but he can't bring himself to do it yeah. because they're happy their their lives are going to be okay they can move on and he walks away he goes to his aunt's uh grave uh and she has a quote on the grave i'm going to butcher it but i believe it's if you if you help one person you help every person and in mourning he stands there and Happy shows up and Happy doesn't recognize him Mm -hmm. and it's gut wrenching because they've formed a friendship over the past few movies Yeah. and Happy talks to him how'd you know her through Spider-Man Peter's like yeah through Spider-Man and uh, they talk about losing people. Happy's talking about Tony. Peter's talking about May. And they talk about grief. And uh, Peter walks away. He goes and he gets a dump apartment. 
with a box of items. He has his Emperor Palpatine Lego, and he's got a GED book because no one remembers who Peter Parker is. He has to start over from scratch if he wants to graduate. I was wondering what about the GED book. In order to graduate, he has to basically formulate an identity and pass high school without going to high school. Yeah. And so the movie ends with him making a new Spider-Man outfit from scratch and swinging out into the city. We then get a mid-credit scene, which is uh, related to two movies that I have not seen. I've seen 30 minutes of the first film. <laughs> I watched the uh, post-credit scene from the second film online, so I wouldn't have to sit through two hours of it. And that is uh, Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock slash Venom. <laughs> Guys, I know some of you say they're not that bad. I tried 30 minutes of the first one and couldn't get through it. I'm not going to subject myself <laughs> to two full movies to get a post-credit stinger. That is undone in this film, thank God. <laughs> Tom Hardy is talking to a bartender about all the weird stuff around this guy named Spider-Man. And he's like, I guess I need to go talk to this Spider-Man and gets zapped away. But while he gets zapped away, some of the alien costume stays behind. <laughs> and that is still in the Spider-Man universe. Yeah. So that story will undoubtedly be continued in the next Spider-Man film. In the meantime, the post credit scene is a trailer mm -hmm. for Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness. And I'm not going to spoil anything from that. All I'm going to say is it ties into WandaVision, this film, and gives some heads up on that film. And I am so excited. Yeah. Um, so, all of this to say... I really enjoyed this. There's some things that I missed on recap, like the fact that when Andrew Garfield uh, and Tobey Maguire are talking to Ned and MJ, uh, they talk about um, how Tobey's best friend went crazy and he ended up dying in Peter's arms. Mm -hmm. And Ned talks to Tom about uh, Tom Holland's character, Peter Parker, about uh, I'm I'm not going to turn into a villain and so you have to kill me. That's a little Easter egg in the fact that in the comics, Ned Leeds is the Hobgoblin uh, who followed up the Green Goblin in Super Villainy. Um, and Betty, who he was in a relationship with in Far From Home, uh, was his wife who he was abusive towards. So... Yeah, fun, fun, light-hearted stuff yeah. as an Easter egg. Um, but this was a really good movie. This was a good finale to the trilogy. Um, it wrapped things up and honestly left things in a place that they can go wherever they want going forward. They can continue with Tom Holland or have a soft reboot with an, a whole new Spider-Man. Um, Tom Holland has expressed interest in being done with being Spider-Man. Um, he's done this for six movies, including Avengers films and crossover films. Um, a really good movie. Um, I don't know what comes next. 
when I said before about the comic line leading to bad things happening to Spider-Man, uh, similar to this, uh, Spider-Man goes to uh, people involved in magic and basically creates a deal with the devil in order for Aunt May to be alive again. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it rewrites history to where no one knows his identity and uh, it erases his relationships with a lot of people mm -hmm. and resets the Spider-Man story. At that time, Spider-Man and Mary Jane, MJ, uh, are married and have been married for some time. Uh, it's called Spider-Man One Day More. It's not the best Spider-Man story. It's an interesting idea that they use to reset the Spider-Man franchise. Some people are okay with it. Some people hate it. I love the comics that came out of it in Spider-Man Brand New Day. Um, don't love that they erased Spider-Man being married. Yeah. Um, but that's just me. But I do like where this leaves Spider-Man. Spider-Man is starting out at square one. Yeah. And so, the next movie, whether it's Tom Holland or another actor, Spider-Man is a down-on-his-luck down on guy who lives in an apartment and barely scrapes by. Yeah. That's a great starting point for Spider-Man. Yeah. And I love where this movie leaves things. Um, it's sad. It's This is a tragedy. It's a tragic comedy. There's tons of comedy in it, but it, it's a tragedy. Oh, yeah. It ends in a sad place. Yeah. And I actually really like that. It is very Spider-Man. It is the most Spider-Man <laughs> the MCU movies have been. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to see where they take the character from here. But, guys, it's been a great year uh, as far as content and things that have brought us joy. Uh, I hope we have been able to make your day just a little brighter. Even being able to record the podcast has given us something to do, something to talk about that... Uh, allows us to not just sit and consume, but maybe put something back out there. Uh, next year, we're hoping to put more back out there. We're hoping to review some old favorites. We might touch on some new stuff. I'm hoping not to tie myself to anything that's on a tight time frame. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'll be honest, all of these Spider-Man movies in so little time has been exhausting. Yes. So, uh, we'll see where that leaves us next year. There's tons of favorite things that we can't wait to talk about with you but we're going to give ourselves a good two month uh buffer zone just to be on the safe side that way anything we record we can kind of stack up so when we want to take breaks they're not as disruptive yeah so thank you guys so much for a great 2021 we hope to have you back as a listener in 2022 yeah it's possible we'll throw something out between now and 2022. I don't know. It depends on what the next week holds. Uh, next two weeks hold, actually. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure there are going to be things that I want to talk about that might have to wait for 2022. They might not. So we'll see. just stay subscribed and watch your podcast feed because we'll be back before you know it. Thank you, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Bye.